Yo, yo, yo. Thank you once again for tuning in to the Good Life Podcast, The Kickback. This is a podcast where we come to talk about mental health, wellness, peace, tranquility, healing, but more importantly, community. Thank you for tuning in again to one of the greatest shows ever published, ever. And I am one of your hosts, Good Life underscore Rush. You can follow me by that name on all social media. And you can buy both of my books on Amazon. Just search me in Good Life for Us. Hey, hey, it's the bipolar ghostwriter, aka Aaron Zendula. Hey, you can catch me on all platforms, especially with Good Life for Us now. So, yeah, stay tuned, tap in. Diabetic. But you're going at your age, you're going to have to take insulin the rest of your life. And um, and I'm going to tell you, if you don't change your habits, you're going to lose your feet and your meat. Back up there a couple steps. <laughs> oh, this serious. It's serious, huh? I said, I said, you know, I said, 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 I I I said, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. So uh, bottom line was, like, those two words shocked me into changing something. Now here, then when I got home, it, I was 248. Now I'm 216, and I'm running up and down stairs. Uh, you know, and I'm, uh, I, I run up and down stairs. And, you know, I have my, my office is on the, on the second floor. They said, you can have the first floor. I said, no. I want to be able to run up and down. They say, you, you can use the intercom. I, said, I don't need an intercom. When I want something, I'm going to come down the stairs. And, you know, because so every, so what you're saying, mm -hmm. people, they want, uh, uh, they'll say, I'm going to wait till New Year's and changes. Why did you have to, why do you rely on these resolutions and these concepts that, uh, to me, are bondage concepts? Mm -hmm. At some point, if you know you need to do this today, Start today. Don't wait until you know. And, and I exactly. and I feel good. Why is it a summer body? Why can't right, 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 yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. So even now, so uh, when when I would hear people talking about fasting, if you know you were able to uh, eloquently mm -hmm. allow me to see inside your thoughts, mm -hmm. some people copy so many yeah. other people, and they and so when you when you ask them. For instance, they'll say, this is, get this all of that. Well, honestly speaking, so you haven't been honest all the other time? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you have not been honest? <laughs> and then, you know, like, I, well, I, I try people, they'll say, absolutely. I say, okay, well, when I'm, when I'm going to get it. Right. They say, get what? I said, well, I just gave you a proposition, and you said, absolutely. So according to law, you know, you, you owe me everything in your trunk. Yeah. No! I was using a figure of speech. If you say honestly to me or to be truthful, so you have not been truthful. And that's what traps a lot of people into the deposition. Yeah. Mm. To be honest. Yeah. Okay, now I'm able to go over here and say he has admitted that he's not always honest. Mm -hmm. So when we get to something like what you were saying about fasting, I said I stopped. Mm 
Mm -hmm. And I'll ask some people, why do you fast? Mm -hmm. They can't tell you why they fast. Mm -hmm. They can't explain. And, and, and it's just like Democrats and Republicans. Why are you a Democrat? Because my mama was a Democrat. <laughs> you know, I mean, but you, cannot, you cannot tell, if you cannot tell me the philosophy up until recently, right? And the only reason I'm dominating now because he told me. He's no, I love it. I love it. I told <laughs> you I was going to Yeah, we so, talked. I, I said, I, let him go man, off. Man, I debriefed the audience. I debriefed yeah. everybody. Once this man touched down on his box, it is no longer the Uptown Morning Show. Yeah. Oh, oh, all right, okay, well, show. All right, all right. But I still got to cut you over in about 30 seconds. Okay, go, go, go ahead, Dad. No, no, we gotta go get to the topic. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, we'll get to the topic. Okay, I'll say this right. Okay, people go to watch meetings on uh, 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 New Year's Eve. Yeah, they didn't understand that the watch meeting was uh, 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 was around Abraham Lincoln signing the Emancipation Proclamation, and so the slaves who did not believe they were going to actually be allowed to be free, okay, said, "Well, we're going to watch." Midnight come in when this Emancipation Proclamation is supposed to take effect because they're gonna kill us They're not gonna let us be free so we can be able to say that we were free for a couple of seconds or whatever But some people sit up in church and go to watch meeting people kidnap them in the church They don't even know why they're there. Yeah, these say Thanksgiving Thanksgiving came as a result and the only reason I know this is because of my son's birthday mm -hmm. November the 19th, right? Uh -huh. When Abraham Lincoln through the Emancipation Proclamation uh, Gettysburg Address said that the, the, uh, the last Thursday in November is going to be Thanksgiving. It wasn't about the pilgrims that a lot of folks bring. They bring a lot of pilgrims, all this kind of stuff. It wasn't about the pilgrims. Abraham Lincoln determined that this was going to be the day give thanks. Why do I need Abraham Lincoln to say thank you to my father who gives me breath every morning? Why do I have to have uh, uh, my mother, me and my mother, we didn't celebrate Mother's Day, Father's Day. Why? Because I'm not putting my mama in a box with everybody else's mama and saying you like everybody else's mama. So, like, I'm not going to pick somebody else's day to celebrate you. I'm going to celebrate you. I said, her, you, what, May the 5th, that's my mama's birthday. That, that's the only, the only time that we can claim to ourselves, the only time that we don't have to share with anybody else is our birthday. Nobody else. But then I'm not going to share that day. And then my kids, you want to send me a Father's Day card? Wait a minute. What about the other 364 days? Mm -hmm. No, don't make me special because somebody else told you to make oh, me that special. Right there. Yeah. Drop that bomb. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't hit your clap yet. Go hit your clap thing, baby. No, drop the bomb. Oh, you want that now? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can I please add to Can I add to what you're saying Yes, 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 yes. You are 100% on point. So now everything that you just said, clean like clears the perspective that me and you are saying the exact same thing so this is the reason i indulge information the way i do in the process because sometimes when you tell somebody where they're going and how to get there you are putting that box around them because now that's all they worry and focus on so my philosophy of everybody's seen karate kid is mr miyagi he taught him he taught him karate without actually yes. having to teach him yes. but yes. he was there the whole time when I'm gonna learn karate when can I chop something when can I kick something he taught you karate through cleaning, which cleaning again is good for you. It's humble. Wax on, sand you dig? Yes. So that's spirituality. It's, it's, yes. We got to a point where we can't indulge our information because it's sacred information. 
But look at history. Look at kings and queens. They were basically against witch doctors, voodoo, all of that. But what happens when they kid got sick and no medicine to work and nobody to help? Who you think they was taking their kid to? That ginger root, <laughs> that lady with the right, locks, right. and she didn't have no recipes to give them. She said, give me the kid, come back and get them in a week, because I can't even show you my process. Because if I did without context, it's going to confuse you more than you actually knowing where you're going. So sometimes you got to show somebody how to get to where they're going and just trust they're going to get there. Mm. And we run wrong because we're trying to micromanage people's healing and people's mm. growth. And we're trying to say, well, you you ain't changed since last time I seen you. That's not That's not for you to do. That's for them to recognize. You just give them the game and go about your business. But you can't give somebody the game and say, well, you better figure it out. That's not that's not their job. You dig? Man. Their job is to take this because this lesson may be for somebody else they're going to give to. We, we have no idea. So our humility comes in just living our best life. There's a lot of people who can't fast because they got health things. So what I'm promoting is figure out what's going on with you. Fasting is what helped me. I had to do shadow work. I had to look at my past. I've dealt with diabetes. Hard shit run through my family. Every time I went to the doctor, they reminded me of that. And I rarely even go to certain doctors. I don't trust white doctors. I don't trust black doctors. And it's not because you know who they are. It's because the system they're in. The system is designed against me. So even if you have good intentions in the system, you're, again, you're my op. It doesn't matter. You dig? So for me, the only real growth I could do is figuring out how to heal myself. It's figuring out what does this. And that takes time. You got to give yourself different berries and see what happens. There's not a book that says, you yeah, take this for 100 days. You're going to feel better. Because what 100 days for me might be 1,000 for her. Mm. You dig? Might be two for you. <laughs> might be 10 years for you. Right. Might You might get it today. Mm -hmm. You know, so my way is not for y'all. My way is to show y'all, look, I made it out. And, yeah. and, 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 I mean, although Alec Baldwin is in the news, he said something profound. No, it, it wasn't. Uh, what's Amelia or Estevez and Charlie Sheen's dad? Yeah, I don't know his name. But I know he's talking but about. you know what I'm talking about. He said the best way to know yourself is to tap into your father. Right. Mm. So as he's saying this, and I've you know came on the show. You know, and Martin said, Sheen. Um, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. I, Martin Sheen. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, he's he's talking about this, and my diagnosis pre diabetic two months ago, now I'm getting the information yeah. like, okay, this is what he did to reverse some of the things that's going on with me right now. So it's, it's very important, like you said, to, you know, go the conventional route, but some unconventional routes too, like what you would say helped you, it might help me, it might not, but exactly. it still really inspire me to make some changes. And you got to see about it. You worrying about it or questioning about it ain't going to give you the answer. Exactly. You got to actually go out and try it. And then once you try it, we'll have a whole new conversation because you have a whole new perspective. But as long as you have not tried it, we're doomed to keep having this same conversation, conversation which is right. something I don't even do. We talk about something once. The next time I want to see what action you're putting into having that. I don't want to see, yeah, I'm still looking for a job. Okay, well, stop talking to me about it. Hit me up when you got the job then we can talk more from there. You got to do your steps before you're trying to get to the next step. And that's why a lot of students are bad students. They're expecting the teacher to teach them or heal them or show them the way. No, they give you the tools. You show yourself the way. Right there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you get into it, before you get into it, I know you're ready to go. But I'm just going to this way. So uh, as we get into the discussion, I want you to go ahead and give him a little bit of background, tell him your name real quick. Because we're still introducing you. We're going to go all the way around. We're going to save this man for last, okay? So go ahead and tell him uh, who you are, where you're from, and what you do. I'm um, I am from all over. Grew up a military kid, but uh, I've been on the west side of Columbus for about half of my life. Um, I bartend. I have a good time. I, you know, just hang out with people all day. So I'm a people person, and I'm <laughs> Go ahead, Queen. Hey, she got five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Five. It's real. Um, I say, I say, uh, my name is Erin, aka Bipolar Ghost Rider, a little bit over all platforms. I'm also co host with Tim Russ on Good Life Ohio, Good Life Kickback, you know. Um, 
spiritual, do tarot, do a little bit of everything, you know, so I should. Absolutely. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, Y'all know what it is. <laughs> Good life for us. Uh, published author. I have a book coming out February 14th. Another one coming out in March. Um, we do candles. We do body butter soaps. I'm a therapist. Uh, we got the podcast, like she said. We do a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? We got a lot of new things coming up, especially investments. And uh, we're going to be doing more like master classes and lectures and stuff, too. So. Oh yeah, tap into Zen Home Services. You feel yeah, me? Yeah, we got cleaning company now. Cleaning dirt. We do here. So yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I'm going to introduce him how I know him, and then he's going to introduce himself. Okay. So, <laughs> um, as far as when I came to really have the knowledge of who he was beyond being my father, I just again, as I you know gave you the pre uh, pre game information. When I, uh, this was on grassroots. I said, when I got to know my father, and this was on the interview with Trav Dave as well, I just saw a lot of people giving him reverence. Whether it was him being known on the street, whether it was being known for his music. All I know is when I would be riding down in a car, somebody would say, your dad's on the radio. Your dad's on the radio. And I would just get this warm feeling like, okay. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody couldn't say that about their dad. Oh, your dad, they play your dad on the radio. Not only would they play him on the radio with his music, but if a commercial came on, it was a, a, a chicken spot called Golden Bird Chicken. So he did the jingles for that as well. So having that just sense of belonging was like, yo, I'm, I'm a part of something big. Uh, when he would gather all the kids around and play Charlie Brown on the piano and how just the kids would just go crazy. He's like, oh my God, my dad's, he's special. You know what I'm saying? But then I started to see him show up in other places like the Columbus Dispatch, the Call of Post, being known for his, his street activity as well. But that was also like when I would see different people and they would look in my eyes and be like, uh, he, he don't got it. You know what I'm saying? Because they were looking for something in me that was in him. But that, that's not what he, he wanted from me. Mm -hmm. But then just to, as, to see him grow, even incarcerated, his legal mind, his, his intellectual mind, him going to school, inspiring me to go to college and the different things of that nature. I'll never forget um, my grandmother saying, He's still going to raise you from where he's at. And he did just that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, through different times in, in our life, you know, there's been times in terms of any father-son relationship. But I have referenced this man so many times on this show, and I felt it an injustice for him not to be here right. to talk about our dynamic. Now, definitely when we had a conversation earlier, he said, there is no dynamic. And, it, and for his side, it wasn't. But we have talked so many times about men having daddy issues. Mm -hmm. This man has served 31 years. Let me give him a, 31 years and survived behind these prison walls. And I'm pretty sure he's seen a lot of daddy issues and a lot of the young men that he raised even behind bars. Mm -hmm. So I brought him on this show to not only talk about those experiences, but the experiences that he's also seen in me. A lot of it I rejected, a lot of it I accepted. Mm -hmm. But for the fact that he's here today, it deserves another love. round of applause. Ladies and gentlemen, my father, Joel Whiteside, he's a Daddy, I'm going to ask you one question and I'm going to pass it to the queen. Okay. And you said that you would be brutally honest and I, I would like you to be. Mm -hmm. Why do you feel like I have daddy issues? Because when I left, uh, let, me, let me preface this first. A lot of people, they would hear about Norman's children. They said he's got 22 kids. They did not realize that, number one, I was trying to redeem the fact that 
my biological father threw me away. Mm -hmm. uh, Norman Gilstrap threw me away. It was Herman C. Whiteside, who he was three years younger than my mother, and he loved her to death. He followed her around East High School. And so here, when she became the mother, a single mother of this one and the twins, right, he comes along and he says, I will take care of them. I will give them my name. I will treat them as though they were my own. And the, the analogy he gave was the gardener. He says, I may not be the one who watered the seed who got you here. But when I saw you in the mud, I took you from the mud, brought you over here and put you in a soil where you could be able to get sunshine, where you could get all of your nutrients that you needed. One day, somebody's going to watch you grow and they're going to say, as this flower, this plant grows, that's a great plant. Mm -hmm. And you'll be able to tell them Herman C. Whiteside was the gardener. Mm. As a result of that, I look, he taught me how to love someone who was not the biological seed. So I would, if I was in a relationship with a woman, that woman's kids were my kids. Mm. Therefore, whatever your name was, you are now a white side. Mm. Because I'm not just going to love mom and exclude you. So even when things went this way and that way with mom, me and that child, there was no emancipation from that. From that. So now, before you know it, I've got 22 kids. <laughs> and so I've got people calling me a whore, a male whore, not even realizing that I am going around here being the father to kids who were thrown away like me a lot. Okay. Now, when it came down to to some of them, they says, well, that one's yours. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you, Lil. Hold and, up. <laughs> and, 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 and that one's yours. You okay. Can't deny this one over here. Tallying yeah, up. They tallying up. So when, I, you know, I'm, I'm fast forwarding now. Okay, um, even my prison uh, it came as a result of music, you know, even the, my, my crime, whatever happened to the crime, because I was trying to produce uh, this, this music. I was told when I started working with uh, Bill Moss at the Capsule Recording Studios, I had to embarrass them in order to get a place in the studio. They said I was too young, too inexperienced, and they weren't going to let me in the studio. So what I did is I took my sleeping bag and I camped out. This is before the homeless issue was even a big, big. Yeah. And I camped out in front of a, uh, uh, the studio door and was not going to leave until somebody let me in here. So Bill Moss, I, uh, some of you too young to remember him. Mm -hmm. Me. But he would say, uh, he would say, 
Let the boy on in here see what he want. He, he's out there on the street. No, I can't have people looking at me like that. So, <laughs> so it works. And they let me in and said, all right, you better have some music to play. So I played a, a, a couple of a songs singing. He said, boy, you can't sing. <laughs> and you, you can't really play. So I don't know what I'm going to be able to do with you. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take some of your songs, and I'm going to let him play, and I'm going to let him sing them. And you just, uh, uh, you, you, you just, so long story short, uh, Bill Moss gave me uh, a lesson in the record business mm -hmm. that, I mean, all through payola, everything that, I mean, I could not have paid to go to college for the lesson that he gave me about the music industry. Mm -hmm. By the time uh, I was 19, I knew almost every radio station in the country by heart. We got in his blue Mustang, and he was the A&R, uh, he, he was the distributor, we'd mm -hmm. take those records, Johnson, Hawkins, Tatum, and Jerry, the four minutes, and we would ride around in his blue Mustang, and we would go to uh, different radio stations, and then I, uh, I remember the one time we got over there to TLC in uh, Indianapolis, and Bill Moss said, uh, uh, he, we knocked on the door, and the, and the DJ said, uh, uh, he says, Bill, he says, you got it? You got what I need? He's talking about the payola, right? You know, because mm -hmm. you had to, to give $1,000 to get your record played mm -hmm. in a prime spot. And, and Bill wanted the, what they called the weather record. And a, a weather record was a record where three minutes before the, uh, the weather came on, mm -hmm. everybody tuned into the weather. So your song came so that people would hear that right before they hear the weather. Mm -hmm. So it was a weather record spot. So I learned about this stuff, and he says, and, and so at that point, uh, the, the DJ, I'm not gonna mention his name, uh, he opened up the door, and Bill pulled that gun on him, said, play that record. <laughs> <laughs> play it now. <laughs> and, and so I was, I was like, I didn't know this was going on. Like, what just happened? So, so, so then, you know, the song was playing yeah. there and there, right? And so, uh, 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 and so he said, he said, hit, hit the thing. And, you know, like, and like, he still got the gun on him, right? Now, what is the thing? And, and so, you hit this like you hit the thing and then start clapping, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he hit the thing and say, "Woo wee!" Do it one more time. <laughs> and then that way the record got played. He said, "He said I ain't giving you shit, you know." Right, uh, right, right. Uh, and Bill let him know I'm I'm not playing a part of this play of the game. Yeah, I'm serious about this. I got kids at home. I, I've I've given up. Uh, the radio at the WVKO. I've done this. I'm 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 tired. Mm -hmm, this is right. this. And so I would look at this uh, uh, and how how uh, uh, Bill was doing things. I said, was this the way to do this? Are we going to get arrested? What's going to go on on our way back to Columbus? Um, so when the uh, the the bank, City National Bank, they uh, uh, they originally told him they was going to give him thirty thousand dollars. They gave $15,000 up front for the Capsule Recording Studio. And so at some point when they thought, when the big labels thought he was about to be a Columbus version of Motown, mm. they immediately started shutting him down. They started blocking off all his avenues. And then they had the bank not give him the other part of the money when he, when he needed uh, to get distribution. 
So uh, I, I saw this, and it forced the doors of, of Capsule Records to close, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, uh, building stopped the fight, but then, like, but I learned enough about this stuff to the point where, okay, now I'm going to take here, and I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, play my music, do my music. They said I can't sing, so what I did is I learned how to, to mimic, and then through mimicking, uh, I was able to uh, uh, find a voice that was suitable to me to be my voice, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but it was through uh, through the art of mimicking. I would sit down and I would listen to Al Green and I would listen to Stevie Wonder, uh, especially I would listen to uh, Isaac Hayes. I listened to Sly and the Family Stone and I would listen to these folks and I would uh, uh, mimic their voices. I would go to uh, uh, Diana Ross, and you know everybody who was popping. I would I would say, okay, I'm going to find my voice. So here I'm working at the Ohio Bell Telephone Company, and I was able to get that job because I told uh, the the uh, human resources manager, uh, look, lady, you know I'm out here in the street stealing, you know I'm uh, uh, doing whatever I can to survive. And like, uh, if you don't give me a job, you might be my next robbery victim. You know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Keep it so, real. So, so uh, she said, "Well, since you talk pretty good, I'm going to give you a job as a, <laughs> a, a, a directory assistance operator." So at that time, it wasn't popular for men to be a directory assistance operators, and I was the only man in an office of 59 women uh, who was a directory assistance operator. So. Um, it got boring saying, like, uh, uh, director assistance, may I help you? <laughs> they said, sure, can I have the la number to Lazarus downtown? Sure, that number is 463-2121 if you'd like to write it down. Okay, so you had these things you learned how to say. So it got so boring, right, and so I had to change it up a little bit. So, um, And you had what they call average waiting time. When you get a customer on there, you had 30 seconds to get them that number and get them off that line, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I would, you know, I, I changed up a little bit. I says, hi, this is Norman. May I help you? <laughs> and I said, uh, I, I was calling uh, 411 for some information. That would be me. Uh, how can I help you? Oh, this is so pleasant. And, you know, so, uh, so the um, uh, telephone company who was located that was located at uh, 100 Erie Plaza in Cleveland at that time. Uh, said uh, we're going to adopt this style. Everybody's going to start telling telling your name when you know when when you answer the phone, right? This is before the robots took over. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so um, I'm getting enough money. Go up here and uh, I'm trying to find a band because I don't have a band. It's just me. I got the music, but no band. So um, I run down here on Broad Street. Uh, there was next to a place uh, hotel then called the Christopher Inn. It was a little circular building. Uh, that, that was very popular, and there was a bowling alley right next door to it, and they'd have live bands in there. I went in there, and there was a band in there playing, three-piece band called We. Um, and uh, I was saying, look, I have uh, some music, and I need some guys to help me record some music. It was Joe King, J.J. Uh, Thomas, and Benji Harris. And so um, I was able to get Benji to come, and I talked to, and, and when I say I'm not going to mention some of their names, some people's names, because what they did was so awesome, ugly, that, you know, like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to put them on blast yeah, like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. But so I asked this one person after I heard their album, I said, where did you record your album? 
they didn't tell me that they recorded it at King's Mills Studio. They told me they recorded it at our recording studio because they didn't want me to use their sound. Right, right. Okay. So I went over to our studio on Sunbury Road, and uh, and I, I met these uh, 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 hippie-like guys in this little home spot, of, you know, and they telling me uh, the uh, uh, studio rates was uh, $25 an hour. Okay, I got $75. I got three hours. I got to make everything count. Mm -hmm. But I don't have a bass player. So the bass player, who uh, whose name was Sterling Smith, ultimately ended up playing with this big group called the Beach Boys. But he said, I'll play the bass with my Moog synthesizer. I said, what's that? So that's where I got familiar with a Moog synthesizer and then a string ensemble. He says, this will make the strings for you. I said, oh my gosh, you know, like, uh, these are interesting, because all I had was a Wurlitzer, the same model that Alicia Keys plays, that's the uh, Wurlitzer uh, 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 piano that I had. And so um, we're recording, I'm All Changed and, and uh, uh, Other Side Stay. At that point, uh, the Tom Murphy, the person only, he said, how about we just forget contracts and everything, and I'll just give you free reign to come in the studio anytime you want to. He says, you, something's going to happen with your music. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I said, so, he says, no, you're going to pay the $75. <laughs> 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 I mean, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> says, but, but from now on, you don't have to pay anything come day or night, you know. So I, I live in the studio, okay. Now I'm going to fast forward to... Uh, I started getting calls from some of the uh, A&R people from uh, Mercury Records, Atlantic, and you know because this one little 45 that I put on, uh, put uh, out, um, was catching some attention because I wanted it to sound like Sly and the Family Stone, mm -hmm. because that way they would say Sly has a new song out, so that you wouldn't be buying it for Norm Whiteside or we. You bought it because you thought it was Sly Stone. Mm -hmm. And so that's what got the recognition at that point. Okay, it got to the point where, like, uh, I'm the manager, I'm the producer, I'm the everything. And that's why if you look in the Days Magazine, um, Days Magazine, it, 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 it's quoted as saying, in the 70s there were only four black uh, artists who had the creative budget and the freedom to do everything uh, uh, that they did, and that was Isaac Hayes, Stevie Wonder, Sly Stone, and Norm Whiteside. You've heard of the other three, mm -hmm. but the reason you haven't heard about the uh, uh, the last one, and then it goes into a whole bunch of stuff about that, but mm -hmm. I was honored to know that I was one of the four only people who who had, who had did what I did because I didn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't thinking about this. I'm not trying to... Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have this thing about legacy. Some people talk about legacy and leave a legacy. I don't, I don't feel that yet. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, but so at at some point, I invested our money. I put our money in the city national bank, the the band's money. Okay, and so uh, we were about to uh, got in contact with Bob Parisi and the, and the Parisi brothers out of Lorraine, who the. Uh, uh, a wild cherry play that funky music white boy. Yeah, yeah. And so we were about to uh, uh, go on tour uh, with them after we had done a, a, a gig with them over at the Agora on High Street. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so they liked the swag and we, we, we turned it up so much 
that like folks didn't really stay around for wild chair. Yeah. For, for, for wild chair, you know. I mean, back then, all you had to do was have one song, and you could play that yeah. thing all night. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like that song, float on, float, float yeah, on. Just you know, going. it's just keep going. Or Pop was Rolling Stone. Yeah. How did Norman Whitfield trick them into listening to the same song for twenty minutes, man? And I mean, like when they you know, start singing. I mean, <laughs> I mean what, even when they wasn't singing, right? The song is twenty minutes. And it's got three notes. Doom, 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 doom. That's it for twenty minutes. You know that. And so, so um, the bank lost my money in the computer era. Computer was uh, were were still young at that time, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, look, I've got to uh, this promotional tour, and I need to uh, get over here and and take care of this with these guys. So they said, well, we we can't make this good for you. What happened was. Um, I lost the tour. I lost. Uh, I lost the deal with Mercury Records uh, because I couldn't get our money out of the bank. And, the, and it's, it's natural for your guys. Well, I don't believe you, the, the the bank lost the money. I believe you pocketed the money. Right? Absolutely. I believe you. And so here's here's my guys that I've been running with, championing, and like fighting for. They looking at me. I said, "You think I would do something like that?" Right. Well, everybody at some point in time, the money make people act funny, right? Uh, so, um, so I said, no, I would not do that to you. So my credibility went down. And so you know that after that, then they start bad mouthing. Yeah, Norm took our money and uh, uh, called himself invested in everything. Now, by the time they found out I was telling the truth. It was too late for apologies. I yeah. wasn't right. trying to feel yeah. anybody's apologies. Don't apologize to me. Mm-hmm. I, I I was callous, and I went to the uh, uh, the attorney, and I said, "Look, I want to sue this bank." He said, "Norm, you can't sue the king." I said, "What do you mean I can't sue the king? <laughs> I'm not trying to sue the king. I'm trying to sue the bank." And he was letting me know when they got that much money, and you ain't got no money, you're not going to win. Right. And that's when I got the, uh, 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 the the hard lesson on what Bill Moss had to face, and I'm saying, whoa! Now I've got all these naysayers and everybody, you know, like my like, like, oh, he, he stupid. That man's stupid. He, you know, he ought to know better than that, 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 that. Try to do that here, you know. Don't nobody from Columbus do nothing. You know, you, you got to do this and you got to do this. And what I call the plantation psychosis. <laughs> you know, talking, start talking about, oh, he can't do this. And so, I got so upset that I sat down and I developed okay. a, uh, I developed a, a scheme for forgery. I learned how to make ID. I learned how to make checks. I didn't steal checks. I learned how to sit down for about seven or eight months and learn the process. I learned the banking operation. I learned routing numbers and I learned all this kind of stuff. I said, so I'm going to go get this bank. Yeah. Uh, within a year, within a year, uh, the, the, the Citizen Journal, this was the, the, the sister to uh, Columbus Dispatch, within a year they're saying, whoever this person is has taken almost $100,000. <laughs> and we're talking about uh, uh, 19... 19 uh, 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 in the late uh, 1970s. So now, now the crime thing has, has it, it overrode the music because now I'm going, I'm a hothead, it's a vendetta, and I'm, I'm upset. I'm really, really angry about what's going on here. And so this introduced me to a whole uh, uh, life of, uh, of, of, of crime. 
and and that's what was going on at that point why it led this thing led to this and this thing led to this and then the next thing you know uh i was uh the the, the most notorious uh criminal <laughs> uh i went down there and I, uh uh i was so bold that i would have a pager uh and i the police, they're like, you know, you got to come and bring your sirens. You, you think you got something? Call me up and I'll come down to the station. So much so, I, I mean, like, uh, and Delaney may not remember this, but sometimes I would have the uh, uh, the police come in and sit down in the conference and, and, and sit down and say, what do you think that you've got on me? You know, and so we... <laughs> and, 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 and we would do this from a, 